0: Hey up and welcome to the Temple of Blair. This is a conversation with Jerome Vonk. Now Jerome headed up Roadrunner Brazil in the early to mid 90s, uh, so this is a territory specific conversation and one of uh, quite a lot of ac- academic intrigue from on my part because I had no idea of the footprint that Roadrunner had in the South American territories, but as we know Roadrunner is a worldwide thing. Um, and you still hear a lot about in Brazil or Argentina or any of the other ones which I'm yet to discover. So this was an interesting conversation. So thanks to Jerome for taking the time and sharing his experiences. One, two, fuck it up. As effective as it was in the United States and the United Kingdom and Germany, it mm-hmm. has its footprint all over the fucking place. There's, even Indonesia has an office Mm -hmm. at least did back in the day so i think it's worth diving into the ones that had their own little nuances and brazil was without a doubt one of those places but i know Mm -hmm. jack shit about it so i was hoping i could pick your brain on that mate if that's all right
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah okay let me tell what can i tell you um how i started at roadrunner yeah, let's start. Let's start
0: there. Yeah, start with what okay. what were you doing before, Rodrigo? How did case vessels come into your life? Which is how I'm
1: presuming it all happened. Well, I did a lot of things in my life. It's easier to say what I did not do, but uh, <laughs> what I didn't do. But um, I, I I ran a promotional marketing company, uh, and it was quite successful. But Brazil has always been a very strange country, a very no man's land, politically speaking, and economically speaking, too. And there has been a lot of plans that the government said, okay, now we're going to kill inflation, and they came with a plan, and okay, all assets are frozen, and nobody has money, so there's no more inflation, things like that. <laughs> and uh, I had to shut down my uh, the company I had. Mm-hmm. I had the money enough to send uh, all my employees. Uh, we were fifteen, mm-hmm. and then I was okay. I paid everybody out. I had no debts, but I had no no jobs. And I knew the the guys from El Dorado. El Dorado was a gravador El Dorado, studio Dorado was a record label from uh, a newspaper called mm-hmm. O Estado de São Paulo, and. This company, this record company was growing. It started as like a um, very niche record company for classical music. Right, okay. And then they started doing some more popular, but uh, instrumental music than that. And then I said, okay, let's make out of this a regular record company.
0: Okay, right, right.
1: And then they started um, licensing records from... Uh, other companies and um, Roadrunner was then distributed by uh, Gravador El it okay. was in, in the 90s, ni- 1991. Okay. João, the owner of the record company, called me and said, Hey, this thing is growing, and we are all artists here, and uh, I need someone to take care of this. And um, we will join us. I said, Okay. Um, although I have an artistical spirit, mm-hmm. um, people always saw me as an executive man or an administration man. Right. And this and the reason why is that I don't know how to make calculations. So every time I have <laughs> to make calculations, I do three times the same operation different ways to see if the result is the same.
0: Because you're detail-oriented, so everyone thought, this is the guy.
1: And then I was going to say, oh, okay, oh, your figures are always so rounded. Everything is okay. It costs me a lot. Okay. Okay. Then I was there, and um, we had a lot of uh, um, different uh, record labels we distributed. We had New Age that sold well. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had a little bit of jazz. We had this, and we had Roadrunner.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and once case arrived and i was surprised to know that he was a dutchman i'm a dutchman <laughs> okay. and we went along well and um, a year later something like that El um, eldorado decided to stop with the distribution and they would be distributed by another. Great, uh, or, or one of the uh, great companies in Brazil, one of the great record labels in Brazil, and mm-hmm. um, it was Sony. Right. And uh, because finances at Eldorado were always a little bit, it was very hard, difficult times at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, in March 1990, the inflation was 70% a month. Fucking hell. 70% a month. Yeah, so prices would vary every day. You had to change prices.
0: Fucking
1: hell. So, yeah, so imagine <laughs> the first two, the, the first, the first two, yeah, the first 18 months with Roadrunner. Uh, and I had to do reports, uh, monthly reports. Nobody would understand anything because at that moment we had a 35% inflation rate every month. Wow. It's like, Jerome. Your, your figures are moving. Say yes, and they will continue. <laughs> That's the way it works here. Well, and um, I called Case. I called all our, our licensors and said, listen, this is happening with Odorado. They're going to be distributed by Sony. And, and Case said, um, come and visit me. I'll pay you the ticket. Cool. I went and uh, I went to the Midem. And this mm-hmm. was '93. 1993. I met Case again. And uh, I spent the week at the Midem, and then and uh, I went to Amsterdam. And he said, Jerome, let's open the roadrunner Brazil. What drove that
0: decision, then, Jerome? So, uh, is, is, what drove that decision was case just like we think, even though the numbers are all over the place, we we want the presence in Brazil, and we want you to be the head of it. What was the I, thinking behind it?
1: I think. Um case liked or liked to expand. and of course, when you have your own office in a territory, you work back your the, the products, then if you are distributed by the third yeah. party. This is the first thing. Second, I don't know very much of the internal things at roadrunner because if roadrunner were a family, Brazil the Brazilian office would be the, the poor cousin. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we we're very small, we represent nothing of the income, and we would be the, the poor cousin. But <laughs> but we were home to the major act of Roclona at that time at the Sepultura. Yes. Okay. So uh, we opened it. I was the partner of, uh, with a little participation, was a partner in Brazil and a general manager. Mm-hmm. And I stayed from 93 to 97. I see. Uh, yeah, there, and um, it was it was like it was good. We 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 achieved the the gold record for Sepultura for mm-hmm. um, rice I think. Yeah, now a CD, CD, right? Okay, hundred thousand copies. Wow, which for Brazil was mm-hmm. was was great. It was yeah. really great. And well, that, that's it. Uh, that's what, That's the story of uh, a that's that's the the roadrunner <laughs> Brazil. That's
0: the, that's the abridged version. So, so when you're is, reporting when, back these figures, which are going up and down, up and down, Yeah. as you said, you're representing not a lot of the income of the company as no. a whole. So no. what, how is this being received? Is it, is it still, that's okay. We, we understand there's a turbulent inflation issue in Brazil.
1: No, they, they, they knew that. They knew that. that it was was important
0: bad. to have the presence there.
1: Yeah, I, I was very straightforward and uh, explained uh, the things, how things worked in Brazil. And they always looked at me like this and said, "Hey, listen, in Brazil they have always two set of books. You want to work with one or two? I can say, "No, just with one official." Okay, just with one, because in Brazil they always work with two set of books. <laughs> yeah, and would the, and there was be a if there was um, to be a fiscalization. I don't know how you call that. Uh, to if someone from the government. Would come and see the numbers, the figures. Mm-hmm. You would say, "Oh, that stupid lady! Look what she wrote! This is wrong! <laughs> okay. You're fired! Go away!" <laughs> and then you would pay a cafezinho, as they call it in Brazil, to pay a <laughs> coffee. <laughs> and but no, with Roadrunner, it was our way, straightforward, um, following the, the the book, the rules in the book, and everything. Um, this inflation thing. It was difficult uh, to to talk about and for the guys in Amsterdam to understand. Mm-hmm. But it was it was.
0: This is not the internet, so you can't, you can't just send them a link to the news article saying, <laughs> this, this thing's happened and now we're at 70% this month. You've got to hope that they picked up the yes. Sao Paulo Times that morning, and that's the only way you, they're going to find out, right? <laughs> but...
1: Um and so it was very nice working with with runner i liked it very much because uh, it was a company that that wanted to grow mm. and i felt um a will from everybody i knew to really make it happen
0: what drove that do you think it's a metal thing do you think it's just a do you think it's a
1: personal thing I don't know a case has a, a a way of involving people. Uh, uh, case is very Dutch. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's a compliment or not. depends on the who's listening to this. but um, you know, Dutch people, they just say things. Uh, they are not very they don't care very much for oh, I'm gonna hurt his face. no they just say things. Mm. but case at the same time, uh, he would give you the, the liberty to go ahead and do it. Yeah. Mm. And uh, I remember once uh, we were distributed then, Roadrunner Brazil uh, existed already, and we were distributed by BMG. Mm-hmm. And um, there were some things going on. And we had a meeting with the president of BMG in Brazil, Case, me, and another guy. And the president was telling Kay some things, mm-hmm. and he said, well, listen, uh, I've heard your story. I hear Jerome's story. Jerome, sorry, um, I'm believing Jerome. I'm not believing you." <laughs> oh, okay. There was a meio, kind of an awkward moment, and the minute the end, the in ten minutes or fifteen minutes, uh, the meeting was finished, and okay, bye bye. And it was lunch hour, and Kay said to me listen, they, they, they don't even invite us for lunch. <laughs> I said, well, you call him a liar. <laughs> I say, yeah, a liar. <laughs> I say, yes, but in Brazil, it doesn't work this way. <laughs> uh, it's always, uh, it's, it's, sometimes it was very difficult. It's very difficult for, for Europeans mm-hmm. uh, to understand how Brazil works. And it's still like today, you see. Sure.
0: Look
1: at, the, look at the news, look at President Bolsonaro. Well, you've got the whole picture. Yeah.
0: And, uh, <laughs> but so at the time it was formed, then what do we say? Na- 93. Yeah. Was
1: 93. when it became
0: Roadrunner in Brazil. So it was yes. a simple chair simple of the flagship act at the time with KSAD. Yeah. Um were you required to have a relationship with the band? What with them being from Brazil? I think Maximus started living in Phoenix, if not that year, a few years now later.
1: No, they. And exa- that year they moved. Exactly that year they moved. Uh, all moved. They all moved. Right. And yeah, they all moved. And there was a last show uh, when we were when they when Roadrunner was still distributed by um, El Dorado. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was in in the parking lot of um, the most iconic uh, soccer place of São Paulo. We started the Pacaembu, mm-hmm. and there was a guy that was killed. This is the axe thing, isn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah. The, the guy that was there. Was a the, how called call them carecas, the skinheads, mm-hmm. were there to provoke because yeah, metal metal. Um, uh, Headbangers and skinheads mm. uh, were always fighting. In the old, the old rivalry. Yeah. And once again, Sepultura made the news uh, on the police uh, section of the paper. You know? <laughs> One more killed, and uh, <laughs> and then um, a couple of months after they they moved because at that time Sepultura was getting real, real big, and so yeah. they moved and they, they went to to the United States.
0: Was there an ANR function? Well, there was an ANR function to the Roadrunner Brazil office, wasn't it? Because you guys signed local. Repertoire. Yeah, we signed.
1: Well, yeah, we signed. But uh, we 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 signed small groups. Uh, we we tried to do something, but from the start, I told case and people at Roadrunner, um we are happy to have Sepultura. We are very lucky, but metal, uh, thrash metal, things. Don't sell very well in Brazil. Right at that time, people would consume eighty percent of Brazilian music. Really? Yes, and why? And there is a there is a secret for that. Um, during the dictatorship, which ran from sixty four to eighty five, um, the military tried to make things a little uh, less heavier. Okay. okay. And they instituted a law that um, if you invested in Brazilian music, you would get uh, a fiscal rebate. Oh, okay. So you get tax benefits from... So everybody Ah. started doing Brazilian music. And so 80% of every music, of everything uh, music-related was Brazilian. And I would say that today, till 70% is... Because one thing, Brazil is the only Portuguese-speaking country of Latin America. The rest is Spanish. Uh So then they are, Brazilians are proud to be Brazilians and to speak Brazil. Okay. And on TV, on the radio, you heard Brazilian music all the time. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, that's that's pretty cool. But was that tax
0: um, rebate still in effect when Roadrunner Brazil came about?
1: yes yes. so it was
0: it was certainly within your it was a financial benefit for you to have an anr function if you can sink in 15 grand a year into local artists then your books will look a lot better because you won't be getting taxed as much
1: yeah but it was so i would try we tried to do some local acts and um but then roadrunner insisted in having more um i would say uh, you know uh metal thread things and, mm-hmm. and things like that and then when that's when i parted when i uh, i said okay i uh, i don't think it's the way but mm-hmm. uh, we parted um, in a very nice way mm-hmm. and um, there was a little bit of immaturity of my part so i was young I was thin, I had long hair, I had an earring, <laughs> I was 37, something like that, Also, that's almost 30 years ago. But I also believed that we had to strongly invest in Brazilian music, mm-hmm. which was not Case's idea or Roadrunner's idea. And Roadrunner was doing very fine with the kind of music they were producing uh, mm. in, in the other territories. So. Uh,
0: the, the heart of the a function was always in the United States.
1: Yes, we had the girl here, Alexandra, which was the, at the time, she was the, the girlfriend of Ron Gordo from Ratos du Peron, RDP.
0: Right.
1: Yeah, you know that. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. <laughs> And she was, she was our AR here, and uh, we tried to develop some acts, but uh, metal and hard rock are very heavy metal. Had the following. They were really like fanatic, religious fanatics. Mm. But uh, the num- it, a, they weren't a large crowd. Mm-hmm. Which was very, which on one side was very nice for us because we knew exactly where they were. Yeah. And in Sao Paulo, they had a commercial mall, like a, a gallery. Yeah. It was a four story mall. In the center of Sao Paulo, which was called Galeria do Rock. And in this Galeria do Rock, there were about, in these four stories, there were about 80, 90 uh, shops, Mm -hmm. of which 70 sold music and 50 (laughs) sold hard rock.
0: Wow, okay.
1: So we, we knew where to go and to talk to people. Yeah. Yeah. And so we did a lot of promotion there. There was the the, the Sepultura official fan club there also. And um, so we didn't have a lot of money too, because mm-hmm. of course, like in all companies, you've got promotion and marketing money if you sell a lot. If you don't sell a lot, you don't have that money. So what we would do, um, a lot of activities in this Galleria de Rock. And we invented the um, Roadrunner post office, Correo Roadrunner. And people would write us letters at the time with no computers. And on Friday, we would stop working, open the letters, and respond to the letters. Everybody, from me to everybody. We were at the time seven or eight people and, uh, and, and writing letters and, and posting the letters. Wow. And so what we wanted, we wanted these guys to go to the, the shop owners and say, hey, we want the, 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 the records from Robert Brazil. Because we had a problem also. It's very interesting. In Brazil, everything that comes from the States is good. It's still valid today. Mm-hmm. Bolsonaro thinks that Trump is the best guy in the world. <laughs> At that time, <laughs> Um CDs were already uh, produced in Brazil, but people would say, "Ah, oh, no, but the CD from the States is much better. Right. Okay. Much better. So they were buying CDs from the uh, United States that would come under the table, and they would sell this for almost the same price that we sold our CDs Roadrunner, the same CD. So it's
0: parallel importing this, isn't it?
1: Exactly. Yeah, I said, I said, "What the fuck are we going to do?" <laughs> so I managed to talk to Roadrunner, and I said, "Okay, every CD that we will launch here is exactly the same CD as in the states, but it will have an extra bonus."
0: Right. I'm always and about like bonus tracks, things, and you
1: know. Sorry, like that. And sometimes when there was no extra bonus, we'll do a phoner. <laughs> Talk to the artist, like King Dime. Yeah. Oh, you know, how are you doing? Do you like Brazil? Yes, I do. Uh, okay, and put this as an, as an, an extra, you know, uh, <laughs> and with a splash, I would say, exclusive, phone with King Dime, especially for Brazil. Wow. And so, and so in this way, would hinder a little bit this uh, importation, legal importation from the States. That's a good idea, though. Yeah, so we, had, we we had marketing. We had a very uh, grassroots marketing. You know what?
0: You yeah, the and flexibility to do those things as well, which is quite good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, you mentioned Alexandra. Um, Alexandria? I don't, I'm not sure. Alexander. Yeah, do you
1: know she's she's in Israel now. I haven't seen her for eight years or ten years, something like that. Yeah, she worked for MTV afterwards. Mm. And uh, yeah. yeah, last time I saw it was yeah like eight eight years ago, something like yeah,
0: that. I haven't spoken to her. I just know that she's in Israel. <laughs> she won't respond to anything I, I sent to her. But <laughs> that's acceptable. <laughs> You're allowed to ignore me on this project. <laughs> so that's, that's so interesting because I was going to ask how South America was for metal on the basis that nowadays you see the ACDC concerts, you see the Iron Maiden concerts, and everyone's absolutely fanatical. About mm-hmm. heavy metal, but as you say, maybe at the time it wasn't quite the case. It was eighty mm-hmm. percent local music, which I find absolutely yeah. fascinating.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. and and rock when rock was uh, 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 Brazilian rock was all sung in Portuguese. Yeah,
0: yeah. And
1: you had uh, you had the psychedelic groups. You had like Mutantes, uh, uh, which is uh, the very famous group from Brazil, and mm. they all sang in, in, in Portuguese.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's an uphill struggle then. So yeah. you went, were, you went there when the office closed. I don't know when the office closed. I know it was the company was sold to someone else. So in Brazil was packaged up and sold to someone else, and that went under. I think in the early two thousands, but I'm not sure what. I'm not too sure on that side of it. But did you yeah. know anything about the other South American imprints, like the Argentinian one? I know there's, there might have been a Chilean one. I'm not too sure.
1: I know of the Argentinian one, mm. and I don't want to make. I don't want to gossip. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the Argentinian one was the person that took over Roadrunner when I left Roadrunner. Ah, right. And, uh, okay. Say no more. I know. I know exactly who you mean. And I said just one thing to Case. And I said, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he said, okay. <laughs> and I met Case like uh, 10 years after, and he said, Oh Jerome, I remember you every time I see that guy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's it. <laughs> no more indiscretions. No more indiscretions what's this roadrunner festival that i saw then
0: is that just is that just something that happened in isolation i and- think
1: i think that wasn't that wasn't a festival an act that they, they put up in uh, in argentina and i think it was in 93 yeah and uh, um, and it was short-lived it happened once and it's happened and it happens
0: well cannibal corpse were playing and they're not roadrunner they were they were metal blade cannibal yeah. corpse were playing. it was deicide and yeah,
1: yeah um, exactly
0: sorry like- deicide cannibal corpse and rdp
1: yeah Rats the parole, RDP. That's it. And uh, well, <laughs> but um, when when I left, uh, Roadrunner kept going on, and then they began to make some more commercial stuff. Mm. Um, in the beginning, uh, little um, still things from 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 the outer world, from outside, from the states and from Europe. And then they began doing some uh, some Brazilian acts, but more popular, more mainstream acts. But, you were um, there
0: for Toy Shop, were you?
1: For Toy Shop? What toy Shop.
0: You? There was a band called Toy Shop, which came from Brazil. And it was...
1: yes, oh, uh, yes, 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 yes. It had another name. Yeah, yeah. Party, party Up? Shop. Huh? It was, they party, a up. party Up. Party Up. Party <laughs> Up. Yeah, Party Up. With a... With a um, singer lady singer natasha or something like
0: that something like that yeah
1: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. What, it, what did you reckon to that then because apparently case was
0: all in he was like this is going to be the best band in the world it's going to cross all different uh markets it's going to be amazing and then it just did yeah. jack shit yeah
1: i mean no well, that's that's the way music uh yeah. work i'm not an anr guy i'm a i'm more a martin guy and i'm a uh, like uh general manager, so, mm. uh, yeah, but party up, yeah, yeah, and we had a, we had a band also, it's called Jambendula, mm-hmm. they sang in Portuguese, they had a rhythm from the north of Brazil called Forro, mm-hmm. but they added the rock and roll rhythm to it, right, and it was great, and this was very nice, and nothing happened, and three years later, this kind of music, boom, to Brazil. Wow. You can't. Anyway, yes. Jesus Christ, we were three years too early. That's the way it works. <laughs> I, I, fo- I focused on
0: part um, on toy shop quite a lot during this project because i was yes. just like it's so, it's it's such a weird enigmatic thing. Just knowing that Case was so invested in it and that mm. um, it, it culminated. Oh, it didn't. I, the industry term I've come across talking to a load of A guys is it did fuck all that's Mm -hmm. the thing it did fuck off however it did make its way onto like a shampoo advert in Italy Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. courtesy of Paolo D'Alessandro who is like another um, (laughs) another (laughs) colleague in that world but it's just (laughs) it's just fascinating there's that thing that no one's heard of but it makes it onto a shampoo advert and if you listen Mm -hmm. to watching this shampoo advert you wouldn't think that's a roadrunner band (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: yeah Uh, they did something too with uh, Daniela Mercury Mm. Um and she was um she she got very big in Brazil. She was not a Roadrunner product, but Roadrunner licensed it from Estudio Dourado. Yeah when where we they, they were uh uh distributed in Brazil yeah. before Roadrunner Brazil, but nothing happened very much with Daniela abroad, but in Brazil she got very, very big. Yeah. Very big. So how I know the- that because I was at El Dorado at that time, and I got a percentage on sales. Wow, there were like like nice two years. <laughs> <laughs> is that where all the the wine behind you came from? Yeah, no, this is yeah, this is Uruguay. You know, I mean, um, in Uruguay you eat meat and you drink wine. <laughs> And uh, I'm here now, I'm living in Uruguay, so uh, I must uh, adapt to the local uh, customs, Customs, and <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I just love it.
0: So how would we've, we've touched on this a little bit, Jerome, but in, in terms of Brazil as an operating company, how was it managed from Amsterdam? Was it just monthly reports? Let's query the numbers. Here's some A&R budget so that you can get the tax advantages. And was that it, or, or was was that uh...
1: No, it was, well, it was uh, at the time i spoke with uh, Michel michelle tiu michelle tiu was there so he was mm. the, the the management counterpart um i talked to Meno kappa which was royalties yeah and yeah. Uh, well basically uh, we had to send them uh, monthly reports of uh, what we did in brazil in the beginning I, as i told you the yeah. first year or 18 months was very difficult to explain and i had a friend who was count roller at uh, Kellogg's Uh, corn, uh, you know, cornflakes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he had worked at KPMG before and everything. I say, hey, Flavio, I have to understand. They don't understand and I cannot explain. So how do we do? (laughs) (laughs) And he said, okay, let's have have lunch one day. And once when they were here, uh, we had lunch and then we retained Flavio for a year. And Flavio would. Translate mm-hmm. what the, the not what the figures meant, but what was happening in Brazil?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because, uh, you know with the thirty-five percent inflation in Brazil and all this. Thing, you know, it's like, just to be uh, clear,
0: this isn't a language barrier because you're Dutch and Case is Dutch. This, this, the, the the failure in communication is simply how absurd the the situation is.
1: It's it's difficult to understand. Not even our we who lived in Brazil, couldn't understand uh, what was happening. It it was very difficult. And, uh, you know, you you would go to a supermarket at 10 o'clock in the morning and they were putting new prices on Hmm. the products and you would raise them to be in front of them and to take the old price. Right. (laughs) And then you would have sold something, but the system you would sold one day and the system two days later came with the new price. And so the product went to the, to the, the, the customer and then the customer gave it back because the price was wrong. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. Is Very that why, difficult to understand.
0: Is that why Very you difficult. left and went to Uruguay?
1: <laughs> no, because then in 94, there was, um, Fernando Ricky Cardoso, which was, um, he's a sociologist and, uh, he was the minister of economy, and then he said, "No, we are going to do this, this, and this." And he killed, killed inflation. Now, but it stayed at ten percent a year, mm-hmm. which was unbelievable for, for Brazil. Mm-hmm. And then he managed to control inflation, and, uh, and, it's, and then it was easier to to make the reports sure. and
0: everything. Right. Okay. Fair enough.
1: So, how does how does your time
0: With wanna come to an end, was it just simply because you wanted, you had a vision of let's invest locally a little bit more dynamically than what Amsterdam's telling you to do, and obviously if that's not going to come to fruition, you had to move on. Was that is
1: that yeah? Yeah, I would say fifty percent immaturity of my parts. When you're young, you're stupid. Yeah. When you're old, also, but when you're young, you're more stupid. and uh, but on, on the other hand also um I was always fighting for more investment in Brazil and more investment in the in in the local scene right and I understand the difficulty of the roadrunner people because mm-hmm. nobody knew Brazil sure nobody nobody understood Brazil and the Brazilian market was basically the markets for Brazilians mm-hmm
0: Sepultura is the outlier because Sepultura was unique in that they were
1: Brazilian doing yeah, exactly. a fundamentally American British thing. Yeah, I said I was I say, "Oh wow, well, if you guys give me once one band like Sepultura a year, it's fine." But uh, now Sepultura was unique. Yeah, and it was like uh, the Sepultura was discovered in Belo Horizonte by an imprint called Kugemelo. Yes, yeah. because which was a very tiny record company, and uh, and they grew up And I think, I think that was the greatest pride at Roadrunner, um, taking the stories from Sep- of Sepultura, from the police section, and putting them on the cover of the the cultural supplement of all major newspapers. Yeah. That was, um, that was hard work, but uh, we managed to do that. And that, that took us like uh, yeah, three, four years to do that in Brazil.
0: you think that's why Roadrunner is so successful, though? Because they take these strange cultural outliers and somehow forge market viability with them. Because if we take examples in the past and in the future of that time, King Diamond is, wearing, is in the occult, is wearing a black and white makeup and things like mm-hmm. that. He's the flagship before Sepultura. It's a similar mm. thing, it's a strange outlier,
1: yeah.
0: Um, act, and somehow Roadrunner is able to make it work. And then after Sepulchre, we have Typo Negative, we have Machine Head, we have and the big one being Slipknot nine nut jobs in boiler suits wearing masks.
1: What I is think, it? Um, no, I think, um, they invested or Roadrunner invested in the extremes. And that's what happened. And in streams, uh, in, in, in a certain kind of music, but it was very extreme. Everything was very extreme. Mm. And the other were more like, you know, middle of the road or trying to... That. And I think that Roadrunner believes and it believed correctly that, okay, there is this near middle of the road, but there are these segments here that uh, that, that can work mm. and... Uh, Maybe they're not interesting for the very big companies, but for a small or medium record label, they work and they worked.
0: I think in those examples, it, it elevates the genre because if mm-hmm. if 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 this is the zeitgeist, I could use my hair bubble as an example. If this is the zeitgeist, and you just throw everything into this corner of mm-hmm. the culture, everything sort of shifts up towards that that place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, so once once you once you invest in Brazilian thrash metal, all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. No like conventional thrash metal becomes a lot more accessible. Yes. Similar to slipknot, if you have like a slipknot which is topping the billboard charts, mm-hmm. much heavier things become normal.
1: And yeah. maybe that yeah. was the the
0: yeah. idea. And um, once yeah. if Roderick has already invested in if they've incubated like 20 death metal bands mm-hmm. on new metal bands or whatever, then invest in a slipknot, then all those other incubated acts become much more viable.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's yeah, the that's kind of, maybe that's the yeah. phasing of it. Yeah, exactly. And as I told you, I'm not an A&R guy, but no. uh, one thing has to be said. The guys at Sepultura, uh, especially uh, the drummer and Andreas Kiso, the guitar player. Igor and... Were, yeah. yeah. They were very, very, very good.
0: Yeah.
1: They were like... I
0: watched, them. I watched yes. a recent video of Igor. And it's so funny because the, the camera's just trained in his face and he's just grunting. Just yeah,
1: grunting, yeah, yeah, grunting. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 40, and and he's also a, a hmm. super guitar player. so uh,
0: Yeah, yeah, completely. Yeah. Okay, let's, let's let's start winding down, Jerome. So can you recall your best day at Roadrunner on your worst day at Roadrunner, but you're not allowed to say when you started and left? Is there any particular things that jump out?
1: The best day at Rogue Runner was the day that uh, when uh, Roots was, uh, I think, yeah, it was Roots, when Roots was uh, released, and that we got nine covers of um, Cultural Section Mm -hmm. in Brazilian Mage Papers. Right. And I had promised my marketing guy, if we get 10 covers, I'll pay you a trip uh, to the United States. And he didn't win. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but we threw him a party in Brazil and everything, but okay, business is business. But he got his nine covers. And uh, it was like after four years from, uh, you know, like uh, punk rock kills a metal headbanger in in one of those shows to, oh, this is Sepultura, Sepultura represents Brazil and everything. Mm. And Sepultura was on TV Global, which is the biggest uh, TV channel in Brazil and everything. And uh, that was that was a reward uh, of, of all of course, and mm. uh, it, it was very nice. It was great.
0: yeah, yeah. And the worst
1: the worst day. The worst day bah. The worst day would be three years after I <laughs> left <World> brother, <laughs> when. The kind of music that we had invested on one band, or that one band represented was Shambendola, and there was mm. this for rock, was this mixture of for rock with rock. Mm-hmm. Began to play. And right. then one band, two bands, three bands. Said, I said, Jesus Christ. We were very close, but of course we need more time. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the feeling, the feeling was right. Mm. The sure. feeling was right. So that was a sad day, but, ah, but anyway, that, that's, that's how goes
0: so uh, yeah. when you when you I know that's an open question we've kind of alluded to it a little bit but when you reflect on your time at Roadrunner and what the team means and what the culture of Roadrunner means how does that affect you these days looking back on it? Why did, why was it so effective? Why were Roadrunners so effective at doing what they did?
1: I think first because we were a small company and everybody had to work hard. <laughs> yeah so everybody had a lot to do yeah everybody was always really busy uh we would have also a an annual meeting with a lot of alcohol beer and the likes <laughs> and we would fun and laugh but we were always talking business and, sure. uh, and exchanging uh ideas and this and that i think that i say we we uh, not what that uh, we worked ourselves to death but we all had a lot to do but the spirit was good yeah and the company and the company was was growing and if you look at the company uh many people stayed there for several years yeah uh, so case is very tough, very demanding, but I think he's quite fair, mm-hmm. and he see the effort of the people, and wow, well, uh, some of them uh, started with him and uh, they they went away in, in 2010 or 2011, so they stayed the whole, you know, the, the whole the whole time. So yeah. uh, you know, this was nice. This was this was, uh, and you felt that. Um, you were rewarded mm-hmm. say, uh, financially also and uh and we see the company grow and uh, that's nice that's um you know yeah i think
0: it's one of those part,
1: being part of something
0: that's it isn't it It's when you are working on something which you are engaged with and enjoying
1: mm-hmm. you don't mind
0: the late nights because you want to deliver for that thing
1: yeah exactly and mm-hmm. it, it was nice and we had uh it was difficult. It's, that I think that was was nice also because it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy things to do. You had to work very hard.
0: You were competing and with eighty percent of the rest of the music in
1: Brazil. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, and we were we were we were working with the drug guy, with the addicts, with the you know, and uh, that in Brazil was always seen like ah and, yeah. Um, yeah, it, was, it was, it was nice. I like how um, I
0: like the post office, though. I think mean, that's really cool.
1: Yeah, and, and and it worked, and we 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 did a post office. I think for a year, or a year and a half, something like that. And mm-hmm. and people would write, and and there was one that oh look, this one hasn't written this in in two weeks now, and it would send news and everything, and, and so it, it went. I guess so one it, thing it, I should
0: I should have asked earlier is, was there much competition for metal in Brazil. You said obviously Sepultura was signed to that tiny label before, before they that went to was, Brotherhood. That,
1: that was competition. There was competition. You had uh, very small um, imprints or, or record labels like Cugumelo uh, in, uh, in this this commercial uh, gallery. Mm. You have Devil Discos, and uh, we had some bands also like Christian and something like. That other bands so there was some competition yeah but uh, Sepultura was numero one from, from the start from the start so um, in this in this aspect it was easier for us to work right, because, yeah. Uh, yeah, Sepultura was numero uno and they were, they were growing growing and growing and, and so
0: yeah yeah Awesome. Is is there anything I've missed in terms of stories or anything you might
1: have? Yeah, well, th- I think I think that's it. You know, yeah. we are, as we're the poor cousin. We were the poor cousin. So. <laughs> 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 and uh, I think we did a very good job to with roots because there are, there were two um two tracks that were recorded in the Amazon with the Kyovas. Yes. Yeah, and that was are people doing that from, from our office in Brazil? So, oh, here we are. And yeah. uh, we worked also with Ratos de Porão, with, with John Gordo. It was a band called Viper, also, but that record was shit. And uh, Bill Matoya
0: produced that one, didn't he? S- who? Sorry? Bill, Me- is it Matoya? Bill the. Um, yeah, I think, I think, yeah.
1: yeah, I think, yeah, I think, yeah, that was it.
0: I'm pronouncing it right but yeah actually I saw an article with Viper talking about um, how they played Monsters of Rock Brazil yeah. August yeah. ninety August 94 I want to say mm-hmm. yeah and they were extremely yep. chuffed about that
1: mm-hmm. to see the name
0: on the banner but yeah I think it's the only it's the only record they did with uh, Roadrunner yeah
1: exactly exact. RDP uh, did
0: alright they were there for uh, about RDP, six yeah about six years just yeah. a good fucking run for a Roadrunner band
1: yeah yeah RDP is <laughs> Jean Gordo is a character, right? Still alive? Still alive? <laughs> Good. <laughs> but he doesn't drink anymore. He he got vegan. Uh, yeah, I don't. What is he doing these days, then, Jean? João Gordo? No, no, yourself. Me myself. Well, after that, I went to the um, book publishing uh, industry. Oh, just like Ace. Okay. Huh? that's exactly yeah just yeah, case but uh i went uh, and uh i had a part in um it was a publishing house specialized in psychology right and okay. tests and all that it. it was okay and then in 2012 with my wife i joined my wife which had the company already And we distributed the digital content via mobile phone, smartphone. Okay. We had um, a deal with the four operators in Brazil, Mm -hmm. and we did very good. Right. And then when I was turning 60, I said, I don't want to work anymore. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and she said, "What are we going to do?" And I said, "Wow, we know Uruguay. We love Uruguay. We have been there f- several times, and mm-hmm. uh, we bought a house here. And we moved in 2017. I still have my little uh, publishing house, but only eBooks. Right. Nice. Uh, so I am the president. I am the writer." I am the editor. I do everything. I've <laughs> so got like a 200 books there. Not 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 200 that I wrote, but uh, that's so fun, book. though. It's fun. It pays the wine. <laughs> it pays the wine, and uh, it's okay. And uh, I don't need anything. I need the computer, and that's it. Everything's in the computer. Everything in the cloud. Oh, so awesome. I speak. I just speak six languages. It's easy. So I'm doing things in Spanish now, and so.
0: Yeah. Well, anyway, that that's it, mate. Thanks very much for speaking to me. Um, I want to keep you apprised of everything as it's going forward because. Okay. And Uh, and if you come to Brazil,
1: I'll go to Brazil.